else audio, right? Yeah. It yep. seems to be in Fedora yep. since, I guess, I guess the last release. Wasn't it in version 8? Yeah. Or did they put it in version 7? I, I don't know. Think... I saw some messages from version 7, but yeah. I don't know if it came by default then or if they put it. I know it's in version 8, though. I'm, I'm definitely, I know it's in 8. I, I don't recall it being in 7. Um, yeah, and now it's and in Ubuntu, so that's going to be a has got it, and there's talk of GNOME actually using it instead of ESD. Oh, okay. So, so there you go. It's basically everywhere, but you don't have to use it if you don't want to, because it never runs system-wide, except on embedded devices. Okay, and how... And, it, and if your distribution configures it system-wide, it's an error, because uh, right. it shouldn't, it's not designed for that purpose. Okay. Well, the reason being is that you don't want it to run system-wide, because one of the things that it does is it uses the Linux capabilities module in the kernel which I don't know if you're familiar with what that does. I mean, I guess um, they're... The, okay. If you're not, it, it lets no. you elevate privileges. It lets you... Um, it lets you... Because normally re- regular users can't change the um, things like the process priority that their process runs at. Right. Um, well, they can change... Because you have to have limits set so you can change the nice value of something or the... So, because Pulse Audio, in order to reduce latency, will run at a higher priority than the rest of your system processes. Right. Or it would like to. And the other thing that it does, which is very cool, is it will run in real-time mode, which is, is a different scheduling priority. It basically gets its own thread, basically. It asks for its own thread that it can do all of its stuff in. And so that means that you're a musician and you actually are playing an instrument or something, you can be reasonably sure that when you press a key on your keyboard, it will sound as soon as you press it rather than waiting for some other process under load to do something. Right. Well, why don't you explain what Pulse Audio is exactly, like on the most, I guess, barest, simple level? Well, it's a sound server, so it's it's like a server, except that instead of serving data, it's serving audio, so you can use it on a network if you want to, just like you would a regular server. Usually it talks with Unix sockets, but it can talk over TCP if you want to do that. Right, so if but, if I'm not putting it on a server, I'm just using it on, let's say, my own laptop or my own desktop, yeah. I want to play uh, a song in Amarok or something, yeah. um, how is Pulse Audio involved in something like that? Well, it's basically... The way that it's supposed to work is it's, um, you're familiar with the, well, this gets kind of complicated because normally what happens is you have the alpha drivers from the kernel. Which is the basic your default. sound hardware. Right, okay, yeah. That could, they, they don't, and then you have the libraries that talk to the drivers. Then you have Pulse Audio that talks to the, the libraries that talk to the drivers, basically, um, because just have the ALSA libraries by default. They come with a sound mixing plugin that's part of their libraries, mm-hmm. and they they run some code that enables that if your card doesn't do mixing in hardware. Um, and the reason that that is a bad thing is because um, there's some resampling that happens that you have no control over, basically. Because in order to mix sound streams, they all have to be at a certain sample rate. Right. And the problem is that Pulse's DMix plugin doesn't do it intelligently. It 
basically decides to resample everything to a given sample rate, even if it doesn't need resampling. It like and it completely ignores what the hardware was going to do with it because it's happening in the library. Right. So you can end up with a situation where, well, this happens on my card because it doesn't support 16-bit audio. Mm. So what ends up happening is card opens in you know 32, 24-bit mode, which is actually 32-bit mode, but they use the first eight bits or zeros for precision, basically. Okay. Um, but anyways, so it opens in this 24-bit mode for audio, and that means that DMIX ends up resampling the audio to 16-bit, 48,000 hertz, and then the card ends up resampling it to 32-bit. And it's like, no, that's not good, because then you get artifacts. And yeah, I mean, because you're, you're basically going through a lot of different conversions yeah, there you're, just you're before you ever hear it. You're converting it twice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Pulse Audio doesn't do that, because it opens the hardware directly. It's, you can make it open an ALSA plug-in device, but you shouldn't. Okay. I've seen people do that, and I think some distributions do it, I'm not sure. But it should open the hardware directly, because that way, nothing from ALSA can get at your hardware. So some application trying to use ALSA won't try to open the card while Pulse Audio's got it. Because the point of Pulse Audio is to make sure that your sound gets mixed and served to wherever it's supposed to get served to. You and don't want things in your sound stream. Right. So how does the average uh, user... Um, configure, I guess, Pulse Audio to to behave like they want to? Well, there's usually some... There's a bunch of GUI tools. I don't know if... I haven't used them because I haven't gotten around to that because I like the command line ones, but there's several... There's several command line utilities and there's a, like a couple of GUI tools. Yeah, the GUI tools are Pulse Audio Volume Control, which I think is PA... VU control the uh, if yeah. you do a yum install of that yeah. you got to there's PA press I think it is yeah and I think Which, pulse audio dash a, utils yeah the, and then there's also isn't there a device chooser as well yeah P, PA dev chooser there you go yeah so basically the, it's very easy to control because the GUI tools do pretty much mostly what you want if you want to use the command line utilities there they have a fairly reasonably up-to-date wiki. Um, as soon as they get the 0.9.11 release out, they'll probably boot the documentation up a bit. You can edit two files that you that you have. One is slash etsy slash pulse slash demon.conf, and that controls when, what happens when it's running as a demon, which is the way that it usually runs. And then the other one is slash etsy slash pulse slash default.pa, which the default script file that loads all the modules. And if you have a cheap onboard sound card and you really care too much about audio quality, then you have two options. If you really don't care about artifacts because you're half deaf and can't hear them or you just don't care, right. then then don't bother using Pulse Audio because it's basically a waste of your time. Also, will eat more CPU cycles in some circumstances, but... Um, you know, you really don't care, so you can just remove it entirely if you don't need that. But if you actually want to do cool things with your audio, then you probably want it because it will let you set the volumes of all your applications. So you can go in and tell it that you want M player to be at 50% of the 
particular volume and then you want your instant messaging sounds to be at 60% and you want blah, blah, blah to be at whatever level. Oh, and it cool. will be smart enough to remember that. So when you close all the applications and kill off Pulse Audio, when you restart it, Assuming that you have the Pulse Audio cookies and everything in place, it creates a directory in your home directory called .pulse, and it stores a bunch of settings in there. So it remembers when you close an application and start it up again. I don't remember if it persists over... I don't remember if, if it works when you kill off Pulse Audio. You might have to set the volumes per session. I don't remember because I leave mine up time so I have I don't reboot that often. I don't kill off pulse audio that often either because I usually have sound going. But I know for sure that if you close an application and then you open it again it remembers that it remembers that you had volume set a certain way so that it'll keep them that way for you so you don't it doesn't matter whether because I know that G Streamer plugins will do that for some applications, but this does it on like a global your sound in general. So because I find that a G Streamer will have some clipping if you tell it to put the volume at certain levels in relation to other sound, it doesn't it doesn't do it very well. Um, the other thing that Pulse Audio does is it only resamples audio when it needs to. So if you open the sync and the it calls it calls output sources syncs for some reason. Um, I was wondering what spelled, that term and, was. And it, is, and it is spelled like a sync. Too. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I don't know, but they, they call they call things that you are sending audio to for playback, they call them syncs. And then they call the applications that, that are currently doing something, they get assigned sync inputs because they're sending input to the sync so it can play stuff. Gotcha. And that's important because you see crap like this in the documentation. It took me a bit to figure out. I was like, wait a minute, what's the difference between a sync and a sync input? So I'm looking at it. So but what's cool in, is... The sync input is basically the sender and the sync is the receiver. Yeah, it's, oh. yeah, it's basically, that's the way that it works. But what's cool is that you can move a sync input from one sync to another so you can... if you were listening to music on your fancy sound card and you decide that you want that stream to be moved onto your headphones because you're going to keep people awake or whatever and you plug in your headphones or whatever other sound card you want, you can happily move the sync to somewhere else, move the input somewhere else, and it won't drop your audio. And moving that and stream is moving done... Moving the stream doesn't touch the application playing it either. So. Right. But how is it done? Is it through the GUI tools or it's through the, the Yeah, you can line? do it with the GUI tools. Or you can do you can it through do it. the command line tools. Or you can do it with the command line. There's a tool called PACMD, which gives you like a little sort of a shell. Oh, nice. And you type in pulse audio commands. And the commands that you type in are the same ones that are in the script file. Okay. So if you, um, if you look on the, the wiki, there's... There's a couple of pages. One of them is the, the command line page. Um, but that's also the same script that's in default.pa, which you can make load other script files too. So you can, if you decide that you want to have your default script load some other stuff. And it's kind of got a mini programming language, sort of. It knows about, like, it's got things like .if and .else. Oh, wow. And there's examples where it's like by default it will check, for instance, whether you have HAL enabled, and if you don't, then it won't load the HAL detect modules. Nice. So it's got some sort of primitive decision making ability. The other thing that it can do is if you want some syncs configured a certain way, it, it 
lets you configure modules in some auto-load way. So you could have some sync configured but not actually plugged in, and then it, when you plug it in, it will do the right thing. It will know that, oh, that's this sound card. You you usually have it set up that way, so we'll plug it in. And how are so, syncs? How are syncs? That requires the, the how detect thing, which I usually disable because I like to just add the new sources myself. Right. Um, the new syncs myself because I'm a control freak. Right, which is a good you thing. you care about automation, you can make it do that. Cool. Um, by how, default, how are though, syncs identified? Are they identified um, by the name of the sound card well, or the? Well, you know? they're by default. Hal gives them some weird name. So this is one of the reasons that I don't enable the Hal module because if you don't specify how to load a sync, it won't get a name at all. It'll just get like an index. It'll get a name, but it'll be something weird. It'll be something like alpha line output dot something or other. Like, wow. <laughs> just be weird, and so. Then what you end up doing is you have this really long, bizarre, you know, sync name. You can't. Then you have to go list the syncs and figure out which one is where and move what wherever. So you can't name the sync inputs obviously because you, they change all the time depending on what's playing. Yeah. So you have to look those up. You have to look those up in the index when you you if you look in the the PACMD tool. There's yeah. a command called list list dash sync dash inputs. Nice. It will list all of the sync inputs that you have. So that if you if you had music that you wanted the way that I have it set up is I tell Pulse Audio to load all the modules myself. So I have something like, you know, load dash module module dash alsys dash sync um, you know, device equals HW colon whatever, zero or one or whatever. And yeah. I'll have like rate equals 48,000 and format equals S32LE. And then at the very end of that, I'll put, it doesn't, the order of arguments on the command line for loading modules doesn't matter. But, and then the important one is the sync, the sync underscore name equals whatever you want to call the sync. I have the, you know, my USB headset just gets called USB and Delta just gets, the M-Audio Delta card that I have just gets called Delta. Delta, yeah. Okay, That way I don't have, that way I know what it is so I can say, you know, you know, move-sync-input 53 Delta, which will boot the, that input that's got the index of 53 on the sync inputs to the Delta card. Okay. And M Player's Pulse Audio plugin will let you specify what sync you want it to go to. You can also set the default sync too. There's a set dash default dash sync command that you can set it to be whatever you want it to be. So if you have some pain in the ass application that refuses to let you specify a pulse audio sync, you can set the default sync to be for that or it is wherever you want the application to go to. Okay. Once you got something connected to Pulse Audio, you can move it wherever. Cool. Which is very handy because sometimes you originally wanted your music on your big speakers and then you want to move it to your laptop, which might also be connected on the same network getting served by Pulse Audio. Very nice. Because it, because it serves over a network, right? So right. it doesn't care that that computer's across the network. It just sees it as another sync. Right. It doesn't care that that was loaded with the RTP module. It just knows, oh, that was a, that's all across the network, so you want to move the audio over there? Okay, cool. You got it. And so you can have it. So if you're going to stream CD audio across your network, you better have a 
at least a hundred megabit switch, or you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, well, sure. Well, I mean, because it sounds... it's going to eat like two or three megabits. Per, yeah, yeah. Know, stream or whatever. Yeah. So sounds... don't do that over TCP unless you've got stacks of bandwidth. Uh, right. But it, in it... theory, you could stream like something on your Pulse Audio over to my computer if if I had a TCP connection. Sure, going, sure. Which would be really cool because you could be like, I'm listening to this song. I think I'll stream it to you. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. which would be that's kind of a neat, a neat way, a neat thing you could do. I just like it because you can do all this neat stuff with your audio. And that's what because, it sounds so great about it. I just think yeah, that some people cool. it's, have some you, problems and if you with don't, it. Yeah, no, if you, it doesn't care. And you, if you need to move audio around, you can. And it's also good for power saving because it has a feature that if your sound card isn't being used for a certain amount of time, bend on idle, which will close the sound device if it's not being used. Yeah, so it sounds like the command line tool is actually the way to go. Yeah, it's if you if you type T A C M D in you'll get a you get a little shell thing and then you can type help and it gives you a list of the commands that it accepts. Oh cool. Okay. And then you if say that you didn't understand how the load module command worked, you could just say help load dash module and it would tell you. Okay. Give you the generic syntax. But you probably want to look at the the default script, which is well commented so you can look at it and if it doesn't make sense to you I'm usually around on IRC and can probably fiddle with it. I at first I didn't like it because I was why do we need another sound server? <laughs> right. Well why do we need all this extra sound stuff? And then when I when I heard the audio that was coming out of it, it was like, oh it didn't resample my audio. It just sent it straight to the card. Yeah. That's extremely cool. That is because cool. none of the sound cards these days have any multiple mixing streams. So, except for like, if you have an older Sound Blaster Live or something, it will. Um, it means that Pulse Audio might give you some issues because it it's basically designed to control the whole sound card. Oh. It wants to take over the card entirely. It doesn't want anything else. Yeah, it doesn't want also sending a signal to it and and pulse no, sending a signal to it. No, because it, it's designed to grab the card by itself and. That's what it wants, because the reason you're using Pulse Audio is because you want all of your sounds to be easily rootable and moved. So pretty much everything works with Pulse Audio. If it doesn't support it natively, you can use the ALSA um, Pulse plugin. There's also a PADSP utility, which is an OSS wrapper for it, so it'll make the application look like it's talking to OSS, but it's not. It's talking to Pulse Audio. And it knows about eSound as well, so if you have it set, if you adjust a symlink, which is usually done by your distribution, most of the distributions these days, if you if you look at their Pulse Audio packages, they just, because it's designed to basically replace all other sound systems, so they, they drop it in place for eSound. So if you're launching GNOME and you get the eSound, you know, software mixing configuration thing, it'll just start Pulse Audio. And it will anything that was thinking it wanted to talk to eSound is now talking to Pulse Audio. And you, if you want to, you can do what I do, which is I have just everything going through Pulse Audio. Fault like because most things that I use have native Pulse Audio support, so I don't have to worry about it. Um, and then if I if I get an error when I go to play something, that means that it wasn't supported by Pulse Audio, and then I can I can put that. There's a, a Pulse plugin that I can put it through or whatever. There's some applications, like some of the voice over IP stuff, that want to grab the whole sound card. 
Right. And they want to do weird. They want to open the hardware directly because they want to adjust latency settings and stuff, which they don't need to because Pulse Audio is designed to do that already. But they don't know that, so they try to open the whole hard, and they can't because Pulse Audio's got it. So they just bail. Um, and if you run into one of those, there's a PA suspender command line utility that will make Pulse Audio suspend itself so that it can have the whole sound card open for whatever that application is. But if you're one of these people that's in the habit of like having some voice over IP application up all the time, you probably don't want to do that. You probably want to hack the application so it goes through Pulse Audio properly. But for the most part, you don't really care because everything's just supposed to behave like it's supposed to behave. So I wouldn't even have bothered to configure it at all, but it came, I had to, I didn't have a choice because my card wants to open things in, in a format that's non-standard because it's a pro audio card and it wants to make sure I have better quality so it does that. But How do USB devices, sound devices do with it? I mean, you said you had a USB headset that you were using Yeah, with I got it? one of those USB headset microphone things. It works fine. I just plugged it in and I told it to move some audio over there and it said, sure, we'll move audio over there. And yeah, and it was able to record from there and stuff, so it didn't seem to give me any trouble. Cool. Uh, because USB devices, if you, you probably know this already, they tend to be problematic for audio. Yeah, anyway. I mean, they introduce a lot of delay and stuff. But Pulse Audio does something sane. Because the cool thing with Pulse Audio is because it's got a real-time thread if you enable it properly, which means that most distributions, by the way, don't do this. But you, because you, the reason they don't do this is because it's kind of a security risk. And if well, it's not really a security risk per se because Pulse Audio drops privileges almost immediately. Okay. Like they install the binary with the set user ID bit set to root. So it thinks that it's running as root, but then it drops privileges immediately. Because it needs root to be real-time, basically. Yes, it has to. It can't can't get real-time. It can change the nice level, but it can't get real-time unless it's root. Yeah. Um, So what it does is it grabs the capabilities that it needs, and then it drops them. And so it would be pretty hard to exploit it because... You, it won't even try to get higher priority at all. Like, there's two things that it does. One of them is it changes its nice level, and then it gets a real-time thread. It can't. It won't even do either of those things unless the user is in the real-time group, or by default it's called Pulse-R. Pulse-RT, I believe, or Pulse-RT, something like that. But some distributions call it real-time, but... Anyway, if it it'll it'll beak at you if you're not in that group, it'll it'll when you start it, it'll come up with an error. Yeah, yeah. It'll be in your logs about not being in real time, and we didn't get privileges and blah 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 blah. And you have to so add your, you, you have to add yeah, yourself to the group to or something. You got to add yourself to that group. Yeah. And then you've got to go into slash Etsy slash security slash limits dot conf, which is where Pam sets the limits for your user, and you've got to make sure that your user is allowed to raise their real-time priority and, and their their nice limits so they can change their priority for processes. And once you do that, then it will enable all the real-time stuff and, and crank up its priority, which means that it's 
very low latency because it's now running at a higher priority than everything else on the system, which is great for me because if I'm sitting on IRC and I'm yakking in about 12 different channels, I don't want to wait for my compile to finish until I hear what's coming on IRC. Right. I want the sound now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I'm listening to... Um, you know, if I'm listening to some music, I want to make sure that it gets reproduced accurately because I might be trying to learn it. <laughs> right, right, sure. Get the uh, you know notes in the wrong order, and you get audio dropouts. Like if you if you heavily load a system with Alsa, we'll probably get some audio dropouts. Mm -hmm. um, Pulse audio in its current state will give you them. They won't give you dropouts until you load the system to like, you know, ridiculous load average like 10 yeah. or 9 or something. Basically, I tested that because I, I basically ran, what did I do? I did something like three simultaneous kernel compiles and then while I was doing that, I made it do a bunch of disk I.O. And I got the load average up to like 15 and then it started doing audio dropouts. Oh, wow. But I don't think most people are in the habit of cranking their load average up that high. This is what Pulse Audio is trying to solve. It's trying to solve the fact that Flash wants OSS, but you don't have OSS modules installed because nothing you uses uses that old protocol. <laughs> and then, you know, something else wants Alsa, and something else wants the eSound thing, and something else wants arts, and you know, all these silly sound things going on, and it's like, uh... This is really stupid. Why can't you just get a protocol and, you know, use it? <laughs> right. So Pulse Audio is trying to replace everything, which is why it's got all those compatibility layers. Yeah, yeah. Because it's trying to take all the it's trying to take all the issues away from the guy who just wants to listen to his music and doesn't really care. You know, because I mean I really don't care as long as my Whatever I'm listening to doesn't get in the way of my other processes. Right, right, and and, and you could yeah. configure all that individually anyway, like you said. Just I mean, on a per application uh, basis yeah. too. You can you can fiddle with the volumes, which you can't which you can't do with with the Alsa stuff. If you if you run something like M Player and you tell it to lower the volume, it's just going to crank PCM volume down on your card. Right, which isn't what you want. What you really want is for that application to turn its volume down. Correct. Because you've got other sounds that you would you like to louder. be louder than that. Yeah. And, you, and you don't want the sound thing eating up so much CPU time that it's going to um, get in the way of your other processes. Yeah. So if you give it a higher priority, then the theory is that its work will be done so that by the time the other processes get around to needing the CPU, the audio's already gone out to the card and you don't have any issues. If you don't enable the real-time stuff, though, it's not very nice to use because it assumes that it's going to get higher priority than your other processes. Mm -hmm. And you will find if you don't enable all that stuff, you'll end up getting lots of audio dropouts and all sorts of things. Okay. Um, what they are doing for 0.9.11, which is really cool, is they figured they, they've had some fixes to ALSA so that all the audio reads, like all the hardware reads are atomic, so they either happen or they don't. Hmm. Get a nice, accurate reading of the sample clock on your card. Yeah. So then what they do is they figure out how long it takes your card to play the audio, and they like dynamically adjust the audio buffers accordingly. Wow. 
So even if the system is under huge amounts of load, it likely won't make your audio drop. Right. Yeah. And it's pretty. It's pretty sweet, actually. Um, Tom, you're, you would know this because you're familiar with with Apple's core audio. They basically grabbed because Apple published a paper on how their core audio works. That's right. I read that actually. So that's what the Pulse Audio guys did: is they grabbed that paper. Cool. And they took everything that was good about that and they put it in Pulse Audio. It's in SDN right now, which I checked out and played with. Very nice. Don't do that, though, unless you want some crashes. But what it does is it figures out how long it takes for audio to play, and then as the system gets more heavily loaded, it readjusts its buffers, which is very cool. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. But, of course, core audio wasn't running real-time either. So this is even lower latency, and um, because I was able to do a test, I have, like, this old G4 tower sitting around that was running OS 10 on it. So just because they're similar sound systems, I wanted to see which one sounded nicer or whatever, so I plugged them in and set up the same sample rate on both of them, same speakers and everything, and the Pulse Audio just kicked the crap out of whatever OS 10 was doing. Wow. That's because cool. it's using the it's using the speaks codex for resampling. Well, not the speaks codex, but the the libraries that the speaks codex use. Okay. Which are the same which are the same libraries that the um it's the same algorithms that get used by Arg Vorbus and, yep. and all those because it's the same codex family. Yeah. Those are really high quality resamplers, and so. I mean, if you if you do it right, you could conceivably, if you have a decent sound card, you can probably get better quality than you would get from a stereo system. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Because you're getting like one of the things that uh, the M audio cards have is they have a latency monitor and they have some other stuff in the hardware to make sure you get a bit perfect copy of your of your samples. So the IRC channel was very helpful. Very cool. They were, um, you have to be patient, of course, with any, like you would with any IRC supporter. Yeah. But, you know, you ask your question and they'll give you a good answer. Yeah. Um, they will tell you to go read if you didn't. Right, you naturally. Know, but that's sort of what you should expect. Yeah. Um, it is reasonably well documented. I can't say so much for the code itself. There's some, there's a lot of go-to in there. Okay, so Among other things, but the best resources for people to check out would be, I guess, pulseaudio.org. Dot org and the and the IRC channel. Okay. There's also which is on Freenode. It's just like hash pulseaudio on on Freenode. Right. And then there's also a mailing list which you will find on the pulseaudio.org page, which is worth subscribing to because there's support there. So if no one else is on IRC, you can subscribe to the mailing list and post. Oh, sure, questions yeah. and someone will give you an answer and it's not they didn't split it off you know a lot of projects will have developer lists and user lists yeah um the pulse audio one is just a pulse audio list so if you're a newbie and you feel intimidated by discussions about people not being able to implement certain callbacks in their <laughs> application yeah. or something then hit the delete button but it's not a dev- it's it's not a user only list and it's not a developer only list so and they have and the mailing list is archived at like mailarchive.com or something if you didn't find it in the wiki or no one was around on IRC well gosh uh, thanks for talking to us Kajari I think it's a lot of really cool information yeah it's very cool Um, if you need help and get something to work don't go and install Pulse Audio because I'm sitting around on IRC. And they didn't put there. They didn't put it there to waste your time. Right. If you're gonna if you're gonna uninstall it, it's do it because you're half deaf. 
So, you know, have a good reason. Don't just ditch it because some guy from Fedora is maintaining it or whatever. Yeah. Because that's I looked at the looked at the maintainer and it was like he, the guy works for Red Hat. And I was like, oh, this is some you know hand holding newbie application. Maybe I'm gonna remove it. And then I started looking at it and I was like, no. It's actually very good. It's just going to take some time to handle it. Yeah. So, because I see a lot of comments on just various IRC channels about people getting frustrated and like uninstalling it. And yeah, yeah. If you're going to do that, do it because you don't care about your audio quality. I think it's good because it, it's it's um basically because one of the things that people always whine about on um, is Linux ready for the desktop, thing, right? Which I think is bullshit because these are the same people that said that it wasn't ready ten years ago when it was. Yeah, right. Because they they fail to understand that it's if you if you're not going to pay attention and learn how something works, then it's not really going to help you because it's not designed it's not designed to be just a plug and play thing. It's designed for people who actually want to use stuff yeah that one of the complaints has always been well the audio sucks so it doesn't suck now thank you for listening to hack republic radio hpr is sponsored by caro.net so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs